Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning, that you would change our lives, that it wouldn't just be another message, but it would be an activated word, activated by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the glory and the anointing of God, that we might become doers of the word. Father, I, I pray that you would bless this, these, uh, these scriptures that we look at this morning. I pray that you would minister to us. And that, Lord, we would walk in the fullness of our God this morning as, as we study the scriptures. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to impart to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And, Lord, to pra in practical ways of, of putting the word into practice. And so, Father, we're very grateful to you for everything that you've done in our hearts and in our lives. And we so appreciate, it. Lord, your ministry to us. We love you, Lord, and we're not ashamed to say that you are our world, Lord. Without you, we couldn't survive. And, Lord, we just give our love and our devotion to you. Ask you this morning that you would minister to us and speak to us in, in very powerful ways. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Hallelujah. Yes, amen. Thank you, Sandy. On the count of three, sorry. <laughs> on the count of three, say, welcome, Zoomers. One, two, three. Welcome, Welcome Zoomers. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for the reminder. I didn't see any. Throw, throw a shoe. That gets my attention. Well, can we really? <laughs> <laughs> Behave yourself, Dr. Dinus. What's the risky to that sort of show? And how many things are picking up? So long, dear. Praise God. So Dinus is going to have you with her. Amen. Praise God. Let's just do a very brief recap because I, I think it's important. If, if you missed last week's uh, message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, it should be online as, uh, by now. And I think it, we covered some very important truths in that. And so I, I wanted to do a couple of very brief reminders. Uh, we saw that our Father in heaven was delighted to honor the title of servant of God. And that he, he blessed that title with dignity, honor, and respect. So often we think of service or servitude as something um, demeaning and unimpressive. And it's something you do only if you can't do anything else. But nothing could be further from the truth as we'll begin to see this morning. Uh, it's very important that we see that, that the title, the servant of God, Jesus is the servant king. And it's a title that he has just like uh, El Shaddai, the, the, the almighty God, is a title. And we, we looked at the fact that how great our God was. Remember, we, uh, we just worshipped the Lord. We stopped in the middle of the message and just worshipped the Lord and, and gave him praise and honor uh, because of his exalted uh, majesty. Because we uh, recognized him as part of the Godhead, creator of all. King of Kings. So we looked at the fact that everything that exists on heaven and earth was created by him and for him and by all these things uh, they, they consist. And uh, we saw how great Jesus was and how his actions as the sovereign God and ruler of the universe who uh, came to serve is beyond parallel. And it begs the most gifted orator's description that the king of the universe, creator of all, became a man, first of all, and then became a servant unto death. 
It's a truly a remarkable picture. And he says to us that he has actually exalted us. Remember, we looked at the scriptures and how we received this crown of glory. When the chief shepherd shall appear, we will receive the crown of glory. And he's made us kings and priests unto our God. And so he's exalted us and he's blessed us. Uh, we, we're not just people. We are anointed. We are called. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are empowered people. Can you say amen? amen. So we have this glory, this anointing um, that, that exists in us. And we saw that a, a, a Dudas servant was expected to die. And, uh, we, we talked about the Ben-Hur and how uh, in the movie he was uh, chained to, to the oars, which is actually a very historically accurate picture of what a doulos really is. He was a, a third-level galley slave on a Roman fighting ship, and he was chained to the oar until death. And it's the only way they, they got out of there was if they died, they carried them off the ship. Once you were consigned as a doulos, you, you were destined to die at the oar. And we saw how God has uh, did, did exactly that as a doulos. He came and he gave his life for us. He died in, ser in service for us. It's just truly incredible. Then we looked at and we saw how, how God had really exalted us from, from just not being a mere man, but that he's crowned us with glory and honor and, and blessed us and made us a little lower than Elohim, a little lower than uh, the angels, the King James says, but it's actually the word Elohim, a little lower than God. So God has really crowned us with glory and honor. And now because of this exalted position that we are, we are not common people. We are part of the royal entourage of heaven. We are kings and priests of the Lord. And because of this exalted position that every Christian now holds, he says to us, would you like to be a servant? He invites us to follow in his footsteps and willingly lay down our lives in service to the Lord. No man take, took Jesus' life. He laid it down. And now because of our exalted position, he says, will you, will you follow in my footsteps? And will you lay down your life? Because you too can change the world. And so uh, we are invited to become Dulos servants. Uh, God doesn't force us into this servitude. And the, the, the majority of Christendom hasn't taken Jesus up upon this offer to be true do lost servants to really minister uh, to the Lord and to our death. Um, so we must choose to lay down our lives like Jesus did. And if you, you, you're not forced, it's your choice. Um, it, remember, Jesus said, No man takes my life, and I lay it down. We can only make such a sacrifice and lay down our life if we love God truly, with all our hearts, with all our souls. You can't make this decision to serve God like this in the flesh, it'll fall apart. It has to be drawn from the life of the Holy Spirit within us. And as we, as we do that, we are, we are empowered. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have this power to live out this life of service. And so we saw that the, that the heart of service was founded upon the bedrock of love and devotion to the Lord. The more you love the Lord, we saw that the, the, the easier it is to serve, the more you'll serve. The, the less you love the Lord, the less you will serve. And uh, then we, we, we looked at the fact that we all start out as volunteers, but it's important that we learn to become servants of the Lord. Amen. Mm -hmm. It's important that we, we progress because there's a very big difference. And we looked at the difference between volunteers 
and those that serve. I just want to give one as a reminder. Um, a volunteer's work is visible from the outside, but a servant's greatest work is invisible. It's done from the hidden man of the heart. And the focus is on sacrificing our lives for others. So he's not serving for the praises of man, but for the honor of the Lord. A servant says, I don't care if nobody ever sees what I do. I'm not serving for the praises and the honors and the applause of man. I'm serving for the one who sees everything and, and judges the thoughts and intents of a man's heart and is willing to serve uh, like that with all their heart and soul. So it doesn't matter if no one ever sees you. As long as uh, God sees you, uh, they, they serve for an audience of one. That's the difference between a volunteer and a servant. Basically, uh, a, a volunteer expects some sort of reward or some sort of recognition. A true servant of God says, hey, I, I'm doing this for God, and if nobody appreciates it, it's, it's between the Lord and I. So that's where we kind of got up to. He's serving for an audience of one. I just want to um, talk about a, a movie that I, I've seen many times that I've thoroughly enjoyed, uh, and it's available on YouTube, so anybody can go and watch it. Um, so if you've got a computer, you, you can, uh, it, it's, it's called A Man for All Seasons. And uh, again, Charles, Charlton Heston, he acted in everything back in those days. Uh, ben Hur, now, now A Man for All Seasons. But I, I would highly recommend this movie to you. It, it moves me to tears every time I, I watch it. It's a powerful picture of a servant, a true servant uh, of God and a true servant of the king. And it really is the story, a historical account of Sir Thomas More. Uh, he was the Lord High Chancellor of England, uh, but he fell out of favor um, when he refused to acknowledge uh, Henry VIII as the head of the Church of England. And he refused to sanction uh, the divorce of Catherine of Aragon. And because of that, um, he, he, he lost everything. Um, and uh, it, it's really his struggle between his conscience and his integrity and his willingness to serve. And so uh, he uh, is finally taken to trial. And the greatest tragedy is that he's betrayed by a friend who lies about him under oath. And ultimately, that brings about uh, uh, the sentence of death in him. And his final words, uh, although they don't depict it in, in the movie, it, uh, it's depicted uh, in, in history. He says, I die the king's faithful servant, but I'm God's servant first. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend if you've got nothing better to do this afternoon, get a hold of that movie. It'll be, it's all black and white. Um, so, you know, but it's, the story is wonderful. So if you want to be blessed this morning. <laughs> so, you know, the ending, yeah. praise God. If you knew history, you knew the ending anyway. Praise God. Okay. But I want to say to you, and I, I really believe that there's a real principle here, that if anybody is going to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be a servant of all. If you want to do anything for the Lord, it begins with servitude. It begins uh, with, with serving the Lord. You look at every great man in the scriptures. I mean, we could look at a whole host of them. But Moses uh, served his father Jethro, his father-in-law Jethro, uh, and before God uh, made him leader of his people. We see Joseph served in Potiphar's house um, before uh, God committed the, the, the leadership of Egypt to him. We saw Elisha washing the hands of Elijah. Uh, so that the, the, this was the prophet serving 
the, the master prophet. And as a, as a result of that, God's anointing came upon Elisha, the servant, because he served with a devoted heart. And when, when Elisha was Elijah was taken up into glory, uh, Elisha received twice the anointing uh, of this mighty prophet Elijah. And he did twice the miracles and twice the work of God uh, that Elijah did because Elisha was a faithful servant. We see David, and, and this will be the last one we look at. David served his father as a shepherd, and then he served an ungrateful king. He served an ungrateful king and uh, as a soldier before God gave him his throne, his kingdom. And so we could look at a whole host of others. But suffice to say, if you really want to be a person of significance in the kingdom of God, and I hope that's in your heart, that you, that you want your life to count for the Lord's glory. Uh, and if that's the desire in your heart, it begins with servanthood. It begins with saying, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to lay down my life and I'm willing to serve you. It happened to all these great men of God. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, Learn to be the servant of all. Today, I'd like to invite you to turn to 1 Peter 5 5, and we're going to look at a very uh, important verse, and uh, it, it's, it needs a little bit of expanding, but I, I'm just going to read it to you, and I'm reading it from the King James 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. You know, it's very interesting. This word uh, clothed, to be clothed in, is the, is the Greek word uh, enkobaromai. And enkobaromai actually means to, to wear the apron. Very interesting. It's, it, it's, it, it's wear an apron or the badge. And so uh, it, it really um, is a, a very... Uh, devout or very explicit picture uh, of servitude in Bible days because servants literally wore an apron and it marked them out as a, as a badge of servitude. And still in, in, in the world today, like places like Paris and, and, and other places around the world, uh, you see that there are people that wear aprons. Uh, it's a badge of their service. They are normally waiters. Uh, they, they still do this. They serve you. And if you spill your coffee, um, you don't just suddenly jump up in, in, in the restaurant and run off to the, uh, the kitchen and look for cleaning pro products, do you? The waiters, those who are wearing uh, uh, the, the, the apron, uh, those who are clothed with humility, come and clean up the mess you made. And if you really best, I'll give you another cup of coffee. <laughs> Praise God. But it's because they were willing to serve. They wear this mark of uh, uh, this apron. It identifies them as a servant. They're there to help, to make you comfortable, and to take care of you. What a picture of servitude. There are certain expectations for those that serve, for those that wear an apron or who carry a badge. You know, the police will have badges, and it identifies them as policemen. They come knocking on your door, and they want to enter your house. What do they do? They show you their badge. Um, and this goes, this harkens back to uh, the, the days of, of the scriptures, the days of the Bible, where the servants wore the badge and or, or the apron. And uh, so it's very important. What the badge is, is we are here to serve and to protect. If a, if a brawl suddenly breaks out and somebody pulls a knife and a gun, you don't 
right into that scenario and try and establish law and order if you're in your right mind. You know, you, you, sh you need special kind of training to be able to defuse situations like that. But if you wait for the police to arrive and uh, they, because they are there to serve and protect. And this is really what, what the uh, Apostle Peter is saying to, to each and every one of us. That is what the badge or the apron signifies, that you are a servant of the people. And so that's, that's what he's saying. Wear, wear your apron. Let, let, let people see that you're ready, willing, and able to serve them. Be a part of the community that, that you serve. It signifies that you're a servant of the Lord. And it, it, he's really saying, advertise the fact that uh, you're a servant by wearing the apron. Be clothed with humility. Show people that you are ready, willing, and able to serve. Be respectful to them. Just about everybody I know is looking for help. Amen? Amen. <laughs> everybody could use a helping hand with somebody. Okay? And so uh, what, what it's saying is, you know, as Christians, we should be looking for ways of helping others by wearing the apron. You know, you can't force your way into people's lives, but you can make the offer. Or, you know, do you need any help? Can we, can we help you? And we can do this. Firstly, because we love the Lord. Secondly, because we fill with the Holy Spirit. We have a power that's unavailable to the world. We have an ability, a strength to serve our communities, our workplace, our neighbors, anybody we come into contact. We are filled with God. That's amazing. When I think about that, you know, that, that we are, have this ability to serve. We have this uh, desire to, to minister. And I was just thinking this morning as I, I was praying about the service and, and thinking about my message, and it's like God dropped this little word in my heart. He said, you filled with, with my presence, and the Christ in you still wants to serve. Mm -hmm. Wow, Lord. Christ in me. Yes, we are recipients of Christ, and he still wants to serve through us. We are his hands. We are his arms. We are his legs. You know, I, I did want to point out uh, a couple, you know, I don't want to embarrass them, uh, but they're not here this morning, so that's okay. I want to talk about Shane and Christine. They are an incredible example of servants, aren't they? I mean, absolutely amazing. Um, I, and and I, I, what I say about them, I could say just about anybody here. They're, they're just about everybody in this place is an incredible servant. And, uh, you know, I know that I'm preaching to the choir uh, when I talk about servanthood, but, um, because you guys really are amazing. But, you know, it's always good to be reminded of God's truth. Can you say amen? And so we, we are there to, to love one another, to serve one another, to put on the, the garment of humility and be kind and be generous and be thoughtful, helping others out where we can, bearing one another's burdens, going the extra mile, turning the other cheek when, when something goes wrong. This is the work of Christian servants. This is really what it means to be a, a, a servant. You can't force your, yourself on people. You, you offer, and if they accept, then you are able to go in there uh, knowing that, that God's blessing is upon, upon your work. I, I had to learn that the hard way. You know, when I was first saved, I was so zealous for the Lord. I'm still zealous. You know? uh, but I, hopefully I've tempered my zeal with a little bit of wisdom. And I would go charging in there and start doing things for people and without, without really asking them. 
And I was wondering, I wonder why sometimes they weren't uh, really happy. You know, I, I, I pruned down, I pruned down some of their bushes. Didn't know that these were the very expensive cultured bushes. Yeah, there's enthusiasm running my I shouldn't have touched it. But I wanted to serve. That's why it's important that we say, we make the offer to people. We say, hey, can I help? Can I serve? And if they don't want to accept it, that's fine. Uh, you don't need to feel condemned or bad about that. But uh, it's really important that we learn to, to serve all around about us. All those, wherever we go, we are servants. I remember a, a story that I heard Bob Bess tell many years ago. And I'm going to tell it to you this morning if you'd like. Would you like me to tell it to you? Yes. Praise God. But, you know, uh, Bob Cass taught, uh, told us uh, uh, a friend of his who was a CEO of, of a company just been appointed to a brand new company as their new CEO. And so he wanted to make a good impression on the first day. He hadn't been there before the board had appointed him. This was his first day at the company. And um, he, he decided to go in early. And he saw uh, a woman uh, who had just come out of hospital, it turned out, and she was trying to move these big boxes. And you could see the pain etched on her as she was trying to do her job. And the CEO uh, looked at her and he said, just stop there. And he took her, she, she didn't know who he was, and he took off his coat and he said, let, let me do that for you. And he moved every single box for her and just made her rest. That's the heart of a servant. This is the most senior man in the company doing this humble menial task. Later that day, the, the board was taking him around and introducing him to, to the members of staff. And she, she, uh, he was introduced to the lady he had just worked for. And she was utterly stunned that the CEO of the company had just done her job for her that morning. That morning. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, uh, and, and so he said, all he said is, yes, we simply, we met earlier on this morning. Uh, didn't make any issue of it. You know, exactly. walked yeah, in. Respect, Absolutely. You know, I believe there's a principle. If you are too big to do the small things, you are too small to do the big things. You know, we have to have that servant's heart. It's really important. You know, when, when I had a large church, it was amazing. I had people knocking on my door or phoning me up and asking to, to come in and say, hey, can, can, can I do a song item? Can I do, can I play some, do a musical item? Can I preach for you? Can I, can I, can I come? And I would often say to them, hey, would you like to give us a, a hand uh, on the Sunday to, to, to set up the hall or, or to help in the Sunday school? And it, it always amazed me uh, how these people uh, just, couldn't find the time for that, you know. They were very pressed uh, for time and, and, and they just couldn't do that kind of thing. And I began to realize, you know, what they wanted was really to be seen of men. You know, they, they wanted the limelight. They wanted a stage on which people could look at them and say, oh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful gift. They weren't true servants yet. I believe that they were in the process and God was molding them. But, you know, if, if a servant is, is asked, hey, could you help? Their first response is, sure, how can I be there? What can I do to help? That's the heart of a servant like that CEO. Okay, in my studies of, of servitude and, and servants, I discovered that in Israel, this is only true in Israel uh, because it has some very individual customs, that there was a hierarchy between servants. 
I didn't know that. I, you know, there, there, some, uh, there was a, a, you know, the lowest of the low, and then, then there were Jewish servants or Jewish slaves. And they were a different category. They were seen as superior um, to, to the others um, because normally what happened was that, um, you know, they, they, these slaves or servants were, were made up of conquered people. They were vanquished and, and they were forced into slavery, forced into servitude. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was very humiliating. It was a, a very um, degrading sort of lifestyle. But they became the lowest of the low in society as slaves. These guys as slaves of vanquished, of conquered people who had gone to war with Israel and they'd been defeated and now were forced into, into slavery, uh, were given any task imaginable. And they, there was no right of refusal. Whatever their, their master wanted them to do, they, they were uh, forced into, into doing it. And if they didn't comply immediately, they, they were severely punished. Uh, they were vigorously beaten uh, if they didn't instantly comply with the most demeaning and degrading uh, tasks that were out there. So they had these brutal punishments for slaves who didn't do exactly what they were told. Dr. Philip Yancey, uh, if you're unfamiliar with him, he's a great, great author. You should read as much as you can from him. But in, in one of his books, The Jesus I Never Knew, uh, brings out this distinction. And Dr. Yancey is saying, uh, you know, in, in, in Israel, um, there was this a system that they had um, where uh, the, the, the Jewish uh, people thought it was so demeaning, so humiliating, uh, so degrading that they couldn't compel a Jewish slave or servant to wash the feet of others. It was just too degrading. It was beneath him. And so a Jewish slave was excused from, from this duty. Um, and so you had this uh, like two tiers of slavery now because uh, the, the Jews were exempt from washing the feet. You couldn't compel. You couldn't compel them to, to wash your feet. And it's really interesting to know that so it's many jewish slaves really and the reason for this was that uh, jewish slaves uh, became slaves because of financial debt and i'm going to say a little bit more about that in a little while but uh, because that was the only thing that they had done wrong they hadn't they hadn't rebelled or whatever so uh, they were considered superior to those who had been vanquished and conquered in battle and so there was this two-grade system uh, of, of slavery or servitude and so washing of feet uh, was, was given to the uh, means so degrading, it was given to the lowest of the low. Uh, so th th it was assigned solely to those who'd been vanquished or conquered. Uh, these people had been stripped of every last vestige of self-dignity and respect and forced uh, to, to wash uh, the, the feet of others. You know, I want you to just think about this for a second. There was no such thing as first-class travel in those days, champagne and air conditioning. Back in those days, the roads weren't even tarred. You know, they, 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 were, they were just dust tracks full of discarded rubbish as people threw away uh, their rubbish as they, as they traveled. You know, the, the animals, uh, the full of animal droppings, dung and urine uh, was, was deposited on the road as you traveled. The, the, the main important highways were lined with crucified victims uh, who were rotting in the sun and the stench was unbearable. Travel in, in the early world, in the early church, was not a nice thing. And uh, so when they came in from their travels, 
you know, they would have the stench of death about them and, and they'd be covered with all sorts of uh, dust and, and uh, all sorts of difficulties. And uh, it was really a very degrading thing to wash the, uh, the feet of people. And it was the slave's job to wash these dirty, ugly, smelly feet. <laughs> Clean out the toe jam. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it was a degrading task to do that. Now the Lord, of, uh, I, I remember. I just want to. I remember attending, uh, auditing a, a, a lecture by a Dr. Charles Swindell, and he was talking about this when he was ministering in, in Dallas Theological Seminary, and uh, I was lucky enough to be able to order the lecture and um, audit, I should say, the, the lecture. And uh, he was saying uh, that the, the disciples at the at the the the, the, the site of dinner. Um, say the dinner, um, uh, the last supper, if you like, uh, were actually just, had just been arguing about get this. Who was the greatest of them all? You know, hey, is it going to be Peter? I, I, you know, is it going to be John? And they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest of all. And so uh, that, that, that's the kind of historical background. You know, the disciples were filled with pride, they had stinky attitudes, and dirty feet. <laughs> Get the picture. Now the Lord of glory, the Son of God, our magnificent Savior, the creator of all, bows down and washes the feet of his creation. It's a picture of perfect meekness and majesty. You know, the truth is you can't stand up and wash people's feet. You have to bow down to wash their feet. And here is the Lord of glory bowing down, doing a job that even the Jews themselves didn't want to do. What a picture of meekness. And meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. This is a picture of meekness. Jesus bows down and washes the feet of the disciples, a job that most Jews didn't want to do. And the, the disciples themselves were stunned and overwhelmed at this. Well, you know, God, you know, uh, Jesus, you can't do this. It's, it's, it's really amazing. It'd be like Mary. He was a Jew, but she washed his feet. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's voluntarily. So you yeah. couldn't compel him. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of said, I went with a friend to a food doctor, you know, yeah. who makes your nails, and she had, I mean, I thought, how can somebody choose? People go only to the doctor when they're really awful. <laughs> 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 uh, absolutely. You know, that's what Jesus did. He did the job that nobody else in Jewish society wanted to do. That's what makes this even more stunning, this, mm -hmm. that, that Jesus was willing to do that. And he says it in John 13, 13 through 15, he says, you call me master and Lord. And he uses the word curios. And curios means it's the supreme authority. Jesus is saying, you call me the supreme authority and Lord, uh, and uh, I have washed your feet. Uh, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord, your supreme authority and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. What a backup. 
in, that was the end of the story. But if it, it, there's something I want to uh, highlight here. Do you remember when, when uh, Jesus was actually, uh, he, he strips off his outer robes, he puts on the, the robes, the attire of a servant, and he goes around washing the disciples' feet. And all's going well until he gets to big mouth Peter. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter says, no, Lord, there's no ways you will ever wash my feet. You know, I've put, why didn't the other disciples say that? You know, how come it's only loudmouth Peter who's objecting uh, to Jesus washing his feet? And, uh, you know, I kind of I had, had this thought that it was Peter who really understood who Jesus was at the time. Peter was the one that was given the revelation that Jesus was the Christ. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Peter's saying, Lord, you're the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You can't wash my feet. You can't wash my feet. It just wouldn't be right. And Jesus responds, and uh, I, I picked up a, 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 a number of modern versions. The, the first one's the, the Living Bible. says, uh, but if I don't, you can't be my partner, Jesus replied. You don't belong to me, another version said, or you're not one of my people. You see, suddenly Peter has a change of heart. He's all in. He says, oh, Lord, they, 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 I want a bath. You can wash my hands, wash my feet, wash my head. You can, you can go to town, just do your thing, Lord. I'm, I'm really pleased about this. <laughs> and Jesus has to calm Peter down. He says, hey, listen, what you need to do is, uh, you know, if you uh, had a bath, you're clean. Um, uh, all you need to do is wash your feet. And Jesus really responds. He says, uh, you, you're clean. And he says, but not every one of you. Not every one of you is clean because he's referring to Judas. I want you to look at this. Jesus washes the feet of Judas the very night Judas is going to betray him. I think it's stunning. I think absolutely stunning. Jesus washes the feet of Judas um, and he's going uh, to betray him that very night. You know? We can sometimes fall into the trap, can't we, of serving the people that we like. We, can, we, you know, we think, I don't mind serving that person. That, they're not so bad. Or that person's a great person. I'll, I'll serve them. But to be a true servant of God, you can't pick favorites. You have to minister to everyone. That's the great lesson that we, we come out with, that you, you can't minister to some people that you like. Jesus washed the feet of Judas, knowing that that night he would betray. I think if I had been Jesus, and you, you can also thank God that I'm not, you know, but if I had been Jesus and I knew that this guy was going to betray me and I was going to be crucified that day, and I came to wash G- Judas's feet, I think I might have just, you know, rearranged those toes, just broken a couple, and, you know, maybe, maybe just, I think I would have gone to town on Judas. I, I've just been honest. I think that that's really, I don't know that I could be as gracious as Jesus washed the feet of his betrayer. Somebody who was thoroughly undeserving, Jesus washed their feet. Judas had rejected Christ as Lord and now saw Jesus as merchandise, not as the Lord of glory. He saw him as merchandise to be bought or sold. You know what he's doing? He's acting like a slave trader. He says, I can make money out of Jesus. I can, I can sell him for 30 pieces of silver. He's acting like a slave trader. Christ humbles himself and washes the feet of a traitor. 
Jesus did good to those who despitefully used him. In verse 15 says, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Amen. Serving the most unpopular and uh, unliked person is what Jesus did. I remember this being really vividly um, demonstrated to me many, many years ago when I, before I went into the ministry. Uh, we were in church this one particular day and a, a black man happened to walk in and honestly, you know, the temperatures can be like 35 to 40 degrees uh, in the summertime. And I don't think this guy had a bath uh, in six months. Honestly, uh, he, he stank like I have never, I didn't think it was possible for somebody to, to be that bad. And uh, he walked and this odor just filled the church and people were gasping. It was toxic, I promise you. Uh, and uh, he, walked, he walked in. And my pastor, uh, it was like people, <coughs> uh, and my pastor looked at this guy, and, and we were all sort of cowering away, trying to get much distance between us and this guy. And my pastor went up, put his arms around him, said, Grandpa, brother, God loves you, and so do I. Man, that illustration has stayed with me all my life. It was a practical outward. You know that man broke down and cried? He broke down and cried. Because he never expected such love, such acceptance. And, you know, after that, there were two people we were avoiding at, at, at tea time because the pastor said the bad <laughs> It was really quite, a, quite an illustration. Jesus washed, uh, washed the feet of a traitor, a slave trader, if you like, someone who despitefully used him. Dr. Byron Carter said, servanthood is a life of surrender. Can you say amen? amen? Servanthood is a life of surrender. And it can only be done in the spirit. You can't serve people in your flesh. Your flesh will rebel. Your flesh will be like mine. You'll be wanting to break the toes of anybody who gets in your Trust me, I, you can't serve them. It has to be done from a heart of love and out of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You serve because you are not listening to your flesh. who says, I'm too tired to go out and do this today, but I'm going to serve because I, I, my, my spirit, the Jesus within me still wants to serve people. And so we draw upon our strength and our ability of Christ within us to go out and serve. Dr. Byron goes on to say, uh, distracted drivers are a danger to society. And I, I was thinking, well, where's he going with this? And he said, you know, you've seen people dr driving nowadays. You know, women are putting on their makeup or, or eating and texting while they're going. And they, they've become a real danger because they've forgotten that their primary role is to be a driver. And so they're doing everything else and they're endangering everybody else. He said, you know, it's an incredibly dangerous thing. And uh, he said, but there's something even more dangerous than that. And that's leading a distracted life. When you begin to realize that we forget that we are called to serve the Lord. We must lift up the name of Jesus. That's what we are called to do. We are called into service. You know, I, I, I love the way J. John said, he said, look, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I think he's got a point there if you think about it, you know. Talk about economy of words that he, he, he had a point there. But, you know, he, 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 he realized that, hey, 
our main purpose is to serve those around about us with the love of Jesus. The greatest service that we can perform for the Lord. Have you ever wondered about what the greatest thing that you could do for the Lord would be? And I believe the greatest thing that we can do for the Lord or for society is to preach the gospel. That is the fundamentally most important thing in, in the world. You see, we can become distracted if we lose sight of the fact that we're here to reach the lost. We're here to minister to those that are hurting, to, to love the unlovely. That's our function is to spread the good news. And if we lose sight of that, we're leading a distracted life. And we will ultimately regret it on the day of redemption. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 19? He said, Jesus came and spoke unto him, saying, All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. All power. Just think of this. This is the Lord of glory. He said, I am your commander in chief. I am the one that has all power. How many think we need to listen to that person? Amen. We need to be obedient to him. He said, all power is given unto me. Go ye therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. Amen. Our fundamental purpose for meeting in church is to be trained and equipped to preach the gospel, to know how to answer our critics, to know how to give an explanation for the gospel. That is our major function. And everybody said, Amen. 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 I'm sure some of you were taking a holiday. <laughs> you didn't say amen. <laughs> I love you. But you know, I believe that if we want to hear Jesus say, well done, the good and faithful servant. It has to be because we've been preaching the gospel. If we don't preach the gospel, if we don't tell our friends and our loved ones and our family and our community about Jesus, can you honestly say, I am a faithful servant of God? I believe you can. And you know, there are people that have sat in church for 20 years and never led anybody to the Lord. Never led anybody to the Lord. Never even proclaimed the gospel. They've left it to the, the people behind the pulpit or whatever. And I think it's really important that if we want, if we want to understand the most important task that has been given to the church is that we preach the gospel. Otherwise, Jesus died in vain. We nullify the death of Christ. We make little of what Christ has done. We've taken all of it for ourselves and given none to others. And people are literally perishing and going to hell because nobody's <coughs> told them the gospel. So many people, though, like, I don't know if I ever have, but I've told people that they've just turned their own up. That's fine. You've, you've done what Jesus said. You've told. And, you know, uh, I was speaking to a, a very, uh, very incredible evangelist one day. Um, he, at, by the time he was 28, he led 28,000 people to the Lord personally. 28,000 at the age of 28. You know, uh, you don't know his name today because he died shortly after that. Um, and, you know, a real tragic death. But everywhere he went, you know, he, you know, he was, was full of energy and life. And he'd go and fill up the, at, at, at the gas station. And he'd say, oh, what a wonderful day. And he'd just say, yeah. 
and, and he took and he told them about Jesus and said, you can have a wonderful day too. You can be filled with God's love. And he gave them a plan of salvation. And he said, you know, it, it seemed to, to be like every fourth person would suddenly respond. What was his name, Pastor? Uh, David Albritton. David Albritton. David Albritton. Yeah, he's dead now. But, um, an, an incredible evangelist. And he would just he would just tell people about Jesus. And most people would reject it. And he said, it's probably a ratio of about one in four people. Every fourth person responded and gave their life to Christ. But I believe if we want to hear the Father say, well done, our good and faithful servant, we must be about the Father's witness. You know, I was talking about uh, uh, Thomas More, about that film. And he was a faithful witness. He didn't tell the king what he wanted to hear that he could become the head of the church that he could divorce Catherine of Aragon he didn't tell him what he wanted to hear and that is a faithful servant you know sometimes it's not easy to go out there and preach the gospel but if you really desire to be called and, and acknowledged by Christ as well done thou good and faithful we must be about the father's business telling people about Christ Remember, it's not about us. A servant says, what is the greatest need? How can I help? The greatest need in the world today is for people to hear the gospel. People are literally dying and going to hell because they've never heard the gospel. And there are people all around us who have never heard the gospel. Jesus said the fields are white unto harvest. Okay. So we need to be serving the Lord in that capacity. As we begin to wrap this up, I want to draw your attention to the NASB and talk about uh, Peter, Paul, and John. Kind of sounds like a pop group, doesn't it? Peter, Paul, and John. But uh, they, they all describe themselves in this way a, a servant or a bond servant or a slave of the Lord. That, that, in, the, in the New Testament, that, that term, those terms are used interchangeably uh, and it really to pick somebody who's devoted to the Lord, who's sold out for God, who's passionate about the Lord, who's excited. Amen. Okay. They, Amen. They, they, they would, yeah, thank you, Sandy. A servant of the Lord, you see. That's, that's really what, what the, um, these people were saying. You know, we are servants or slaves or bond servants of the Lord. You see, we've already seen a bond servant who was expected to die in service. So the good news is you thought you were in retirement, but you don't get to retire as long as you're alive. You have a mission from the master to preach the gospel to those that haven't heard it. Our job is not to get them saved. Our job is to preach. Our job is to declare the truth and let God do the, 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 uh, the, the, what he ever wants to do in that person's heart. Our job is to preach. Okay. Remember, I said to you in Israel, there, were, there was a difference between a conquered slave and, uh, and, and an Israeli slave. That, um, and that, that was really because they, they were sold, Jewish slaves were sold uh, in, into bondage because they lacked finances. Uh, if you think about it, in Bible times, there were no banks or financial institutions, were there? You know, it, 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 there was nothing. You couldn't go down to the bank and say, oh, can I have a bridging loan? I'm having a bit of a cash flow crisis. You know, um, give me a bridging loan, I'll be okay. You couldn't do that because they didn't have banks in those days. You know, you can go to instant finance or credit one and say, hey, give us a loan. I'm, I'm a bit short of cash this month. I'll pay it back. You know, couldn't do that. And, uh, you know, it's under the law of Moses, 
Loan sharking was condemned. You couldn't lend money for, with interest. Uh, you know, that was considered usury. And uh, in Leviticus 25, you see that that is very clearly denounced. You couldn't declare bankruptcy and walk away from your problems like you can do today. So how did they uh, actually deal with these financial problems that they had back then? Because mankind hasn't changed. We still have financial problems. Well, under the law of Moses, what happened was, was you were required to sell yourself as a slave to your debtor. How about that? That's how they resolved the finance. If you ran up a bill that you couldn't pay, then you, uh, you were actually required to sell yourself as a slave and, and, and pay off your, your debt that way by, by serving uh, your debtor. And you find this story actually found in Exodus 21, uh, verses 2 through 6. It tells us all about that. It says, if you buy a, a Jewish servant, and the, the Hebrew for that word servant is actually the word ebed. And, and an ebed is actually means a, a bond servant. Um, and uh, it's uh, that there were certain restrictions around uh, selling yourself into slavery to pay off your debt. And, and the most uh, important one was that you could only serve for six years, regardless of your debt. Uh, you might have a debt that far exceeded in value your six year service. But under the law, if you sold yourself as a servant to your debtor, you had to serve for six years. And on the seventh year, you were able to walk away from all debt. Everything was cancelled. Everything uh, was forgotten. It's a really beautiful picture and really great when the six years were done. Okay, so the only way out of the situation uh, of, of slavery is if somebody would come along and pay your debt. But many times um, slaves that, that sold themselves into slavery were in that situation because there was no one that they could appeal to. They had no family, friends, or loved ones who could pay off their debt. And as a result of that, they were sold into slavery. Well, now, can you tell me what can about the talents when one man just buried the money? How should he have invested that? But um, were not invested it, but he should have put. Jesus said to put the, put the money in the bank, yes. Yeah, but there's no bank. Yeah, yeah but we're going back thousands of years, even before that. I mean, forget that's only 2,000 years ago. And we're, we're in the times that we're talking about. You're talking about Exodus. You're talking about a long time before that. Okay, so. so you'd sell yourself to your debtor. And occasionally, you find an incredibly gracious debtor. He's kind. He's generous. He's loving. He's understanding. He doesn't abuse you, uh, but he's, he's there to minister to you. And it's wonderful. So um, praise God. He comes in and so, uh, you know, he sells himself as, as a servant. And, you know, he may even give you a wife. How about that? You know, and she may even beg you children. Praise God. And then at the end of the six years, when your time is up, uh, Incidentally, under the law, if the, if the slave master uh, gave you a wife and, a, uh, and you had children, guess who they belonged to? Yes. The master, because he gave, gave you the wife and the children were the property of the master. But there was a provision under the law of Moses that said, hey, if you think you have a wonderful uh, 
the slave master, a really good guy, and you want to, and uh, you, you love your wife and you love your children, and you don't want to go away. You'd rather stay and serve because he's a kind master. Then you would tell your master, says, "Hey, I, I, uh, I don't want to leave. I, I want to serve you for life." And the process was that you would be taken to the city gates, and the judges of the city are there. That's where they did business, and you actually. Your, your slave master would take you there and uh, you would confess to the judges, hey, I, I love this man. I love my wife and my children. I, I don't want to, to leave them. I want to continue to serve them. And uh, I'm happy to serve my master forever. And if, if, if everybody was happy, everybody was in agreement, then they did something very unusual. They took you by the ear and they led you over to the door and they took an awl or a nail, depends on what an awl or a nail, and they hammered the nail through the lobe of your ear. That was the origin of pierced ears. <laughs> How would you like to have your ears pierced like that, ladies? That's not very pleasant. There's a big, dirty, great big nail that they punched through the lobe of your ear. And that left a hole. They kept on turning it and making sure that that hole never closed. And it's anybody who you saw uh, with a hole in their ear, you knew that they had become a bond servant, that they were serving their master because they loved their master, that they were willing to serve them for the rest of their life. You, you find that again in, in Exodus 21 and verse 9. So throughout the New Testament, we see how uh, a bond servant, a slave, or a servant, uh, these terms are used interchangeably, but it's used metaphorically uh, for those who are absolutely devoted to Jesus. Greg Laurie points out that a bond servant uh, is, is what Paul calls himself when he writes many of his epistles. He says, I am I'm a servant or a bond servant. And the word that he uses there is the Greek word doulos. And doulos, as we said, is somebody, is a particular kind of slave. And I want to give you some more information about this particular kind of slave. Uh, it, it's a slave who is a slave by choice. That's really what it means, a slave. Right? Uh, it, it, if you look it up in the Strongs, it says that they serve voluntarily. So there was a, they were servants by choice. It relates to somebody who'd been given their freedom, but who chooses to serve their master voluntarily. This was a service by choice and not by, by duty. A bond servant was not somebody who was required to serve. They served by choice. And Paul is saying, hey, I'm a bond servant. I'm serving the Lord because I love the Lord. I'm willing to serve the Lord. And that's why that was his motivation. He wasn't serving as a, as a servant because he was compelled to. He loved God. And I hope that you and I feel the same way that when we think of Jesus, that we really love the Lord. And that we're willing to serve him. You see, Christ in us has set us free from slavery to sin. Amen. We were bound by sin and we've been set free. We were slaves and now we are free. And as we recognize what God has done for us, it should be our joy and our delight to serve the Lord. I believe what God is looking for is for bond servants, willing servants. You know, you can serve and not be willing. Yeah, and you, you all had kids, you know what it's like. And you, you, know, you said, please, please go and do that, you know, for me. Oh, all right. And then you, you know, their heart's not in it, you know. And then you said, but, you know, I love you. Please just, you know, don't have the attitude. No, I'm, I'm going to go and do that. You know, I'm just leaving me alone. I'm doing it. They're not serving. I believe God's looking for those 
who are willingly ready to lay their life down for Jesus and to serve the Lord because they recognize what great works God has done for them. These amazing benefits that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We are blessed and so filled with the, the life of joy uh, of God. And so we, God is looking for willing bond servants. I wanted, as we close this morning, I want to uh, just share some thoughts of Matthew Henry. He said, we are to remember that we are debtors to divine justice and we have nothing to pay with, that we are slaves, poor, and perishing. That was our, our position before Christ. Thank God, God doesn't require us to be taken and have holes drilled in our ears. I am so glad that Jesus didn't say, hey, you've got to serve me and now I'm going to put a hole in your ear. You know, having a nail put through my ear, I don't like the thought of that. You know, look at Jesus. The chief servant, he didn't have a nail put in his ear, but he had nails put in his hands and his feet. He died upon a, a rugged cross. You know why? Because he paid a debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. Jesus came and was died on, on the cross as a bond servant. He literally gave his life in service for us so that you and I could go free. Listen carefully as I close. The word servant is not just a noun. It's a verb. It's about what you do. It's not about what you claim to be. John Wesley said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, all the ways you can, in all the places you can, in all the times you can, as long as you can. I love you. You see, the, the whole idea is that we are so in love with Jesus. We are so grateful for his, his kindness, his goodness, his mercy, that he's forgiven us all our sins. He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We are so grateful for what he's done, that he died, took our punishment that we so rightly deserve, and he now blesses us with every spiritual blessing imaginable. Amen. He says, I want you. And so it's, it becomes a, a, an idea where we come, we say, I must decrease that Jesus, that he might increase. I now want to live my life like Paul out of love and devotion. I want to serve people because I love them. And I'm so grateful to God for what he has done. So I must decrease that he might increase. You know, sometimes we look at that and we think, I can't do that. But the Bible says when we are weak, he is strong. He's there to empower us, enable us to do the things that we don't necessarily want to do. But it will be so worthwhile when God brings our rewards to us. We will be so blessed. The question I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to be a bond servant? Are you willing to serve the Lord with all it takes? Are you willing? Remember, Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down. And he doesn't demand our lives from us. We've got to come to him and say, Lord, I'm willing to lay down my life because I love you and you've done so much for me. I'm willing to lay down and serve you and serve others. Hallelujah. God loves us. He gave himself to redeem us, to bless us. And I'm so in love with Jesus. I'm so in love with Jesus. And I know you are. I know you are. Praise God. So let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. As we uh, closed last week, we gave you an altar call, and 
uh, ask you to come forward if, if you wanted uh, to commit yourselves and, uh, uh, to the Lord and, and, and serve the Lord. Uh, so I'm not going to give an altar call this morning, but I do want to give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard. Remember, the height of deception is to, to be a hearer and not a doer. And I hope that you've had a life of uh, a week of service this last week, putting the, the, the scriptures into practice. If not, you've got another opportunity this week to practice the word. But as we bow in, in prayer, if you want to be a willing bond servant, I, I just want to uh, ask you to, uh, to just right where you are, just raise your hands. I, I would love the honor and the privilege of praying for you. I want to say my both my hands are up because I want you to pray for me because I want to be a servant of the Lord. I love him so much. And so if you really want to, to get, go to a new level and, and you say, I want, I'm willingly going to lay my life down in service. Father, I thank you for those that are raising their hands. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you would bless them exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think today. I pray that they would know the, the, the all-consuming love of God, that they would know the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of the love of Jesus, who is Lord, uh, Lord raised uh, us from the dead spiritually, given us a new life in Christ. And so, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would bless them, Lord, that as they, they walk this week in, in uh, as, a, as a true bondsman, willingly looking for ways to help others, Lord, to proclaim the gospel, to tell people that there, there is salvation ready and available, Lord, that, that God doesn't count our sins against us, that he has already paid the ultimate judgment for our crimes. He has done that to save us. And if if that's you this morning, I just pray, Lord, for, for my brothers and sisters, that they would uh, proclaim the gospel, that they would uh, serve, that they would, um, Lord, minister as a servant, that they would put on the apron with a badge of servitude and minister to mankind. So thank you, Lord, for each and every person that's indicated their hand. You see their hearts. Lord, and I ask that you would pour out your spirit upon them wonderfully. Lord, just baptize them afresh in the love of Jesus, that you would renew them, that they would fall in, into an ever greater understanding of your love and your mercy and your grace. Breathe upon them the breath of life. Lord, as we serve you, there can be no greater honor or privilege as we saw in the beginning, Lord, that you have crowned service with honor and dignity and that Jesus served in meekness and majesty. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Bless us, Lord, as we uh, commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.